This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What do we got going on today, Kyle? Well, we are combining two sections and becoming your own banker that we'll be reviewing. Um, those two are the cost of acquisition and, but I can get a higher rate of return. That is a common theme, isn't it? Uh, sure is. <laughs> um, well, let's start with the first one, the cost of acquisition. Okay. Um, in the second paragraph, Nelson says um, that all businesses recognize the fact that finance of the business is necessary but they never address the cost of acquisition of finance. You and I have spoken about this over and over again, that having quick access to capital is something that affords you so much, um, not only control, but just the ability to do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. Yeah, we've talked about how having capital readily available, opportunities will seek you out that maybe you wouldn't have seen before. Right. Because your eyes just aren't even open to it yeah. without having a pocket full of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this section, guys, it's really, um, I mean, Nelson does an excellent job of drawing this out. And he's just trying to, to get down to the fact that everybody discounts the fact that having access to capital is... It's worth a lot. Yeah, and the benefit of having that. And they never take into account how much does it actually cost you, how much time and and everything that goes into acquiring that capital. What is that worth to you? And some people just haven't experienced having that hard of access to capital, even if they don't have a pool themselves that they own and control. Maybe the bank they work with, they have a really good banker, a good relationship with him. They're in good standing with that bank. And you should keep those relationships, even if you practice infinite banking. Absolutely. But like I personally have worked with the farm service agency before on a land loan and that paperwork was miserable. It's a cheap interest rate. I got the loan and all that. The terms, you know, were, were great for my side, but the process was horrible. And there's also different stipulations to accessing the money. Like you can't go to an auction and buy ground with an FSA loan. You would have to have somebody else buy the ground for you and then you'd have to go through the process of getting a loan so that you might miss you could out miss out on that opportunity then yes. as soon as that happens because how many people have somebody that's going to go do that for them yeah exactly and then people renew every year for operating notes and things like that and my personal experience has been very painless and you know it hasn't been bad at all but i've heard of people working with different banks even in good standing how it's just a pain in the butt for them so what's what's the price on your time for going through all that? Right. And and we also, you know, we're today we are in an I mean, this is unforeseen times of how easy it is to get money. I mean artificially this, low. I mean it's well, yeah, not only rates, but just easily acquirable too. I mean, it's kinda like um the ninja loans back when the, the housing market was about to bust. No income, no job. Yep. Application. Get a loan, yep. <laughs> right. Um so those those are important things to remember that it may not always be this way too. So take advantage of it absolutely while you can. But 
even better, take advantage of it and start building your own pool of capital so that way you always do have access when opportunities come up or when it, even if it's just oper- um, not opportunity, um, operating costs that you need to take care of in the future. Yeah. As, you, as farms, ranches grow, the numbers that it takes to run these are astronomical. It is unreal. Yeah, and then if you're building this system while we're having these privilege of low interest rates, I mean, sooner or later, we're more than likely going to see interest rates rise again. And so when we see that happen, insurance companies can only move their inter- their loan interest rates up around um, half a percent a year. And so it's going to take time. If, if interest rates go up to 10 15%, even more, it's going to take time for insurance companies to raise those rates. So you believe there's a- also statutory or state limits on how far that they can raise insurance yeah. um, interest rates. I believe in Kansas, it's 8% is the maximum that they can go. Yeah. I, I'm not sure on the specifics on that off the top of my head. I'd have to look at something, but you get that system started now when everybody else is borrowing at 15%, you can access money in your policy for what whatever it is lower than that. But that's when it comes back to being an honest banker where you should be paying that market rate, putting it in a savings account, and then until you can afford another premium to grow your system. Absolutely. If if it doesn't make sense, if the whole life policy is going to outproduce whatever you could earn in the market, it doesn't make sense um, to go out and do that investment. And I guess when I said market, I was referring to like a farm or ranch, what you can produce on that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That that'll be a it'll be a great way to use your policy as a baseline for making decisions on what to invest in. Right, it's an excellent judge of what is the opportunity cost of using this money, and if you can't earn more than that, it it rarely is going to make sense. I would say to go ahead and do that um, investment. Every situation is different, so I mean, you we'd have to look at that. But rarely can I think of something off the top of my head where that's going to make sense for you long term. And then also, you ha- if you have a huge system built up and people need loans, well, there you go. You can loan money right out of your policy to other people and, and make money that way. And if that scares you, well, you can tie collateral to to that, you know. If maybe you need a quarter of land of theirs to back up your loan as collateral, Okay. You just got to be creative and think outside the box here with this stuff. When you're the banker, you're in control. You can do whatever you want. So Yeah, you get to make the rules. Yep. Those with the gold make the rules. Absolutely. Seems like we talked about that earlier in the book, too. Maybe a few times. <laughs> um, I don't have much to add on that section, Kyle. Do you? No, I think we can move on to, but I can get a higher rate of return. And we're we're not going to go like a, do a big deep dive into this because we want to do a Standalone podcast on this. A standalone podcast itself. We are deep diving into this rate of return deal because we hear there's so much noise on it and we think it really needs to be discussed. Well, yeah. I mean, what is the first thing, you know, that everybody thinks of when they they have money problems? One, I don't make enough money. Two, I can't get a higher enough rate of return. Yep. I mean, those have got to be two of the very top things. That cross everybody's mind. Yeah. When when actually, if you could take control of those finances in your life, personal debt, um, business debt, whatever that is, that's going to be what can make the biggest boost in your own financial picture. Sure. So I think we should go ahead and describe Nelson's example that he gives in this. What do you think, Kyle? 
Yep. So Nelson uh, is demonstrating why this is not about rate of return. This is about who is the banker in your life and money has to flow, okay? This is about who is the banker. So Nelson's talking about um, person A invests $100,000 for one year and earns a 20% rate of return, okay? 20% on $100,000 is $20,000. Nelson is assuming this person's in a 30% tax bracket. So 30% of $20,000 is $6,000. So this person's net yield after taxes is $14,000 after his $100,000 investment. Yep. Okay. Now Nelson says person B, instead of um, going first and jump, just jumping into the investment, the $100,000 investment, first they build up cash values of $100,000 in their infinite banking concept uh, plan. Now, why do they do this? Because they understand that somebody has to be the banker in this situation, okay? So we use the same yield as we did with person A. So we have 20% on 100000 is $20,000. But somebody has to be the banker in this. So if we charge ourselves 8% to the banking system, that would be $8,000, 8% of 100000 Yep. Okay. For you guys that are thinking that is outrageously high, I realize that that is high in today's standards. We're just going off of what, when Nelson wrote this book, this was a normal, uh, this was a normal cost of money at that in time. 2000. Yep. Okay. So these numbers can be changed to fit today's times, but we're just going to use it here. So anyways, they made $20,000, but they had to finance $8,000. That leaves them with a taxable gain of $12,000. Now they're in the same 30% tax bracket. So we take $3,600 off of the $12,000 taxable gain. That leaves us with $8,400. So this doesn't make any sense, does it, Kyle? I'm looking on the outside. You wouldn't think so. No, you have to understand infinite banking here. You have to understand who the banker was. They remember they built up money in an infinite banking concept policy. Yep. That way they could be the banker. So that $8,000 that was interest paid to the banker, they're actually the banker. So we need to include that $8,000 with the $8,400 that was the net yield after taxes, giving us $16,400. Yes. As opposed to the $14,000 when we weren't the banker in the first scenario. And yes, and we need to be sure that this is also talking about a capitalized mature policy. That is how this works. There is that period of capitalization that must be dealt with. Yes, you have to go through the capitalization process. You're starting a business from scratch, and it is going to be your financing system. Yeah, so year one, numbers aren't going to look like this. Right, your policy. See, what Nelson's saying is that you paid 8%. And the policy also grew by 8%, which, yes, these policies were doing that in the year 2000. Yes. So that's why he's saying you paid $8,000. The $8,000 went to the insurance company because you're using the insurance company's money, but your policy grew by $8,000 offsetting that. Yes. So um, anyways, I think that we have that explained very well. Um, 
do you want to go over how Nelson describes this as a trust agreement? Kyle? Yeah. yeah. So this he, is just another way for people to try and understand what's going on. So he says, it's just like a trust agreement. A trust has a grantor, a trustee, and a beneficiary. The grantor puts property into a trust. The trustee takes possession and title to all the property in the trust. The trustee puts the property to work for the benefit of the grantor. When income is earned, it all goes to the trustee. But the trustee has an obligation to the grantor to carry out the mission of the trust. In such an example, you have never heard one say, look how much money that trustee is making. To the contrary, one says, look how well the trustee is doing for the benefit of the grantor and the beneficiary. Otherwise, the grantor would never put property into the trust. Putting property into the trust is just like paying premiums into a life insurance policy. Nelson's just trying to show you a different light of how to think about this to get people to wrap their mind around what exactly is happening with a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. The words life insurance come up, and it just almost completely goes out the window that there could ever be any type of financing capability with this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really all that I want to get want to get into on this, Kyle. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll do an in-depth podcast on rate of return and so yeah i think we should rate probably, of return and financial noise yes and so we should probably leave this here okay well thanks for tuning in again guys and um if you like the podcast um and you you have some things that you'd like us to discuss go ahead and and drop us a message and we'd love to podcast about that and, and help you out This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.